Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Leviticus. We're going to pick up from where we left off last week. What we've been doing on Wednesdays this year, we've been doing a study on the glory of God. Study on the glory of God and its different manifestations throughout Scripture. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 6. In last week's message, we looked at how God lit the fire of the tabernacle and Solomon's temple from heaven. So by a manifestation of the glory of God, the fire that was in the tabernacle and Solomon's temple was lit from heaven. But notice what God tells them in Leviticus 6, starting with verse 12. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. We talked about last week how it is God's job to light the fire, but it's your job to maintain the fire. We talked about when you were born again, God lit a fire in your heart. We asked last week, what is the condition of that fire? Is that fire still burning bright? Or have you let it cool down in time? Because the truth is, it should be burning brighter than when you're first born again. Because a lot of times we get born again, we're zealous, but we have no knowledge. But what should happen over time, the knowledge we receive should make that fire burn brighter. So notice what they're supposed to do in verse 12. They were to put wood or fuel at the start of the day and a sacrifice every night. This was a continual process. This is what the priest did every single day. No matter how they felt, no matter what the weather was outside, no matter if they felt anointed, no matter if they felt spiritual, every single morning they got up and put wood for fuel on the fire. And at every night they put a sacrifice on that fire on the altar. So go to James chapter 4. Look some parallels to that. James chapter 4, looking at verse 8. First part of verse 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That phrase, draw nigh, is from the Greek word, which is to make near to approach, but it was also the same word used in the Septuagint, which we talked about Sunday is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's the same word used in the Septuagint of the priests entering to the temple to make sacrifices to God or to perform their ministry there. So he's not just saying come close to God. He's also painting the picture of the Old Testament priest coming into the temple to present sacrifices. Remember the audience James is talking to. James is the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. He's writing to the Jews who have been scattered because of persecution. So this is a Jewish audience who still has in their mindset what used to happen when they're at the temple and what would happen as a priest would come and present the sacrifices. And so in the Old Testament and under the law, 
The Jews had to offer sacrifices for many things, including for the covering of their sins. But Hebrews 10, 12 tells us that Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice once and for all for mankind. So there's now no need to offer sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. We confess our sins and ask God for forgiveness, and the blood of his son cleanses us. But the New Testament tells us that there are sacrifices that New Testament believers are to offer. Not of bulls, rams, sheep, and goats, but something else. So as we talked about the altar of our heart last week, my question for you tonight is, what's on your altar? What's on your altar? Are one of these sacrifices the New Testament tells us offer, is it actually on your altar? We'll talk about next week how to fuel the fire, but you still got to make, make sure there's something on the altar that can burn. So studying the Old Testament, you see three things about offering sacrifices. Number one, sacrifices are to be offered in faith. Sacrifices are to be offered in faith. You see that from the life of Abel in Genesis 4 and echoes in Hebrews 11 that he offered his by faith and God approved his offering. You also see from that story number two that sacrifices are to be the best or of the highest quality. You didn't just give what's left. You read through the law. They weren't supposed to bring something that was maimed or so if they have to present a lamb, you don't bring one that's missing an eye or missing a leg or missing something else that's important. That says you bring the best. So number one, you offer in faith. Number two, you offer the best or something of high quality. Number three, there's always a response. Abel offered, God responded. Solomon offered, God responded. Moses offered, God responded. Whenever you offer a sacrifice in faith and of the highest quality, there's always a response from heaven. Go to Romans chapter 12. Let's look at the sacrifices that New Testament saints are to offer. Romans 12, verse 1. What's on your altar? Verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. One of the definitions for holy is morally blameless. Morally blameless. It's like what Paul said about the Holy Ghost in Ephesians, that Jesus returned for a church without spot or wrinkle. That's a phrase that even echoes how they were supposed to offer sacrifices in the Old Testament. So it's a sacrifice of the highest quality. So what is a holy life? It's a consecrated life. What is that? A set-apart life. The word holy means to be set apart. That means we don't do everything that everyone does just because they do it. We don't go to all the same places they go just because they go. That means we don't look to the world for our standard of how we live. We look to the Word of God. We don't, don't do things because we think we're better than other people. We just realize we are not other people. So you can make a decision, I don't drink, not because I'm better than you. I just know I'm not you. I'm not going to club, not because I think I'm better than you. I just know I'm not you. So while they do what they do, you don't try to make them feel bad for their sins because sinners sin. That's what sinners are going to do. 
Don't be shocked when sinners sin. But they shouldn't be shocked when Christians are holy. So we must still live a holy life. The word acceptable means to be fully agreeable. So we want our life to be fully agreeable to God. Not just in one area. Not just coming to church and looking spiritual. And knowing the right Christian catchphrases. Knowing how to say amen the right way, hallelujah at the right right way. We want a life that's fully agreeable to God. As we said before, Jesus was holy. Right? But sinners wanted to be near him. So if sinners don't want to be around you, you're not as much like Jesus as you think you are. Because you can't be holy without walking in love. The love of God in Jesus drew the sinners to him, yet he never compromised. So acceptable means to be fully agreeable. And the word service is worship service. So the way we live our lives is worship. It's a lifestyle. Worship is not just the songs we sing. It's also the life we lead. Worship is not just the songs we sing. It's also the life we lead. But the question is, who are you worshiping? In the Old Testament, Israel would get into trouble for worshiping or sacrificing to other gods. That was called idolatry. So go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Because what would happen as Israel would worship other gods or sacrifice to other gods and enter in idolatry, after they did, they did that, all the other behavior patterns changed and they began to live against what God said. But look at 1 John chapter 5. Verse 21. Because a lot of times people think, well, we're in the Western world and we're Christians and we don't have idols. But notice what the Apostle John closes his letter saying. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. So is there something before God in your life? Are you refusing to do what he wants you to do in order to please someone else? Or are you simply living against God's word because it's convenient or culturally acceptable? If you are, you are worshiping someone else and walking in a form of idolatry. You may not have a gold and silver statue you bow down to every day, but if that's how you're making the decisions of your life, you're walking in idolatry. It matters to God what we do with our bodies. And I know it's your favorite subject. It also matters to God what we put in our bodies. Oh, quiet when I talk about your food. Don't worry, I don't have notes on pork or shrimp, the roaches of the sea, or anything like that tonight. But our mindset has to be, how healthy can I be so that I can serve God better? Because think about it, if I don't live healthy, I won't be able to fulfill the call of God that's on my life. And who am I going to not reach because I didn't take care of my body? So sacrifice number one is your body and how you live your life. Sacrifice number one is your body and how you live your life. Go to Philippians 4. What's on your altar or what should be on your altar?
Philippians chapter 4, start with verse 15. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 15. It says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I depart from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Then everybody loves verse 19, even though they don't want to read the verses before that. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So your tithes, your offering, and your seed is a sacrifice that the New Testament believers should offer. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Remember when it comes to your giving, tithes, offering, and your seed, it's not just what you give or the amount you give, it's the heart you give it with. Because even the widow woman in the Gospels who gave two mites outgave all the other people in the temple. It was a matter of heart. There are people giving just to be seen. The people who already had a lot, so we just put in a lot amount, but it means nothing to me. This woman, when she gave, it meant something. So when we give, our hearts have to be right. We talked about in the series last month about honoring God. That if you're doing things just to be seen, then that's your reward. Whatever praise people give you, whatever clap on the back they give you, God says that's your reward. Your heart matters. And only you and God can know what's really in your heart. Because you can look, at, be, look and be the most spiritual person. You come to church and says that is a pillar of Christianity. They just look holy. It's like they've seen Jesus face to face. It's like they've had coffee with the Mother Mary. I'm sure every night God takes them to heaven and talks to them personally. You can look that spiritual on the outside, but your heart can be jacked up. But you have to judge yourself. Because remember, it's 1 Corinthians, judge yourself lest you be judged. It also says examine yourself whether you be in the faith. So it's not the pastor's job or someone else's job to see we're on the inside. Now the Holy Ghost reveals, then we deal with it. But it's your personal responsibility to check your heart, to check your motives, to see how you are on the inside. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Let's look at a third sacrifice. Notice what it says. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The word profession here is also translated confession, which is the Greek word which means to say the same thing. Jesus is the high priest of your words. Your words are a sacrifice. Go to John 5, verse 30. What should your words be? John 5, verse 30. So if we would imagine 
what we say come out of our mouth every day. Rising up to heaven, put in the hands of Jesus, is what you saying something that Jesus could offer to the Father? Or what you saying goes, ugh. What should you be saying? John 5, verse 30, notice what Jesus said. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. You see this multiple times, especially in the Gospel of John. Jesus is basically saying, I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father do. So when it comes to your responses to things that go on in your life, what are you saying? Are you just saying whatever you feel or the first thing you can think of? Or do you pause and get what God wants you to say about it? Because even if there's something wrong, doesn't mean you just say whatever you feel. How many know the scripture talks about Jesus was zealous about the temple of God? It says, the zeal of your house has consumed me. We all know the story about how he put a whip together and whipped people out of the temple and turned over tables, right? But he didn't just do that when he walked in the temple. When you read Mark chapter 11, he went up to the temple, says he spent the whole day there and looked at everything that was going on, walked out of the temple, went home. Then he came back the next day and cleared out the temple and began to preach. His text scripture was, haven't you read that my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Then he began to preach. And you read in Luke that people came to be healed. So not only did he preach, he had a healing meeting. Now, did he just do this because he was just so upset by what they were doing? No, he was upset the day before, but he went back to the Father and get what should he do about this situation. And then he dealt with it. We can't just get into a point where we're always doing things just because we feel it. Or just because people think, oh, I have to respond this way. We have to go to God and get what is our action plan so that we can go forward. Even to what should I say to the situation? Because within Mark 11, as Mark eleven twenty three, it talks about your words. You can have what you say in verse 24, but those words, those nine words Jesus spoke to the fig tree, and those nine words that you speak unto the mountain, and be thou removed, and be thou cast in the sea, those weren't just random words you come up with. Jesus got the words of the fig tree when he spent time with God. He didn't just walk by the fig tree and says, you know what, I feel like talking to trees today. Tree, it's a bad day, so you're going to die. That's not how it happened. He was with God, and God told him, you talk to that tree. And hear the words you're supposed to say. So if you have something in your life that needs to move, yes, it's good to quote scripture, but don't just start rattling off your favorite scriptures. Get before God and say, God, what do you want me to say to this situation? Then you say that. Your word should be a sacrifice that God, Jesus can present before his Father. Go to Revelation chapter 5. As you turn there, remember, Daniel 10, 12, the angel says, I have come for your words. The way you control your mouth has a lot to do with all of your sacrifices. Remember, James also says that if you can control your tongue, you can control your body. So if you're having an issue with living holy, check what's coming out your mouth. Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Look at another sacrifice. So then we had, when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps 
and golden vials full of odors, which are of the prayers of the saints. Look at chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. I won't spend much time on this point because we talked about it last month, but your prayers are a sacrifice. Your prayers are a sacrifice. If you think about it this time, you sacrifice your time to pray. The fact that you're willing to wake up early in the morning to pray even when you want to sleep in. Remember, we talked about budgeting is not just a financial thing. You also have to budget your time. A lot of people have the right heart. Well, I want to read the word in the morning. I want to pray in the morning. But they don't plan to pray. They don't plan to read the word. So they'll stay up late watching whatever the favorite TV show is. Man, Jimmy Fallon, that's hilarious. Man, Trevor Noah said what? I can watch one show on Netflix, two shows, three shows, four shows. The Netflix judges you. Are you still there? Are you still watching? Watch one more. And then you go to sleep, and your alarm goes off, snooze, snooze, snooze. Then you wake up, I'm late. And you're rushing out the door to get to work on time, but you miss all the time you wanted to be in prayer and in the Word. Your heart was right, but you did not plan or budget your time. So you weren't able to offer the sacrifice like you should. Prayer is a sacrifice, especially when it comes to praying for people you don't like. Remember, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Do good unto them that despitefully use you. And it's not praying, God, judge them. Kill them, Jesus, just kill them. Strike them down dead, send them to hell with gasoline draws on. It's praying good for them. It's praying the blessing on them. It's praying that God will do good things in their life. That is a sacrifice. And a lot of times when it comes to certain people, you want to go, yeah, bless them, Jesus, and go on. It's like, I said something good about them, Jesus. Be happy that I said something right about them. No, actually take time and pray for them. Your prayers are a sacrifice. Go to Hebrews 13. We're going to wrap it up here. What's on your altar? All these things should be on your altar continually. Hebrews 13. Starting with verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. How long? How long? When I feel like it. When the music is right, when they play my favorite song, when they have that organ blaring, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Sacrifice number five is the sacrifice of praise. 
A sacrifice of praise is not always just praising God when you feel like it or something good has happened or because it's your favorite song or for because you feel the emotion behind it because other people are praising. That's not the sacrifice of praise even though you should praise them. It's knowing how to praise when you don't feel like it. It's knowing how to give a hallelujah when you want to say something else. It's knowing how to praise God when you feel like having the hell challenge. It's knowing how to lift your voice and giving him glory even when you feel like singing woe is me. That's a sacrifice of praise. That's giving him glory anyhow. So the old song, hallelujah anyhow. You have to have a yet praise them on the inside of you. That no matter what's going on, yet will I praise him. That I'll have a song in my heart no matter what I face. It's like Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. We have a decision to make. Will we be like the Israelites who complained and were disinherited? Or will we continually offer a sacrifice of praise? Because even on your worst day, you still have something to praise God for. Because if even everything in your life blows up and goes horrible and you die, you're going to heaven. Think about this this way, Christian. Your worst case scenario is you go to heaven early. That's your worst case scenario. You have something to praise God for. You can praise him every day. The blood has cleansed you. God doesn't remember your sins. That Jesus took your place. That he moved on the inside of you. That he's given you hope and a future. And then if you take time to begin to think of all the good things he has done. It's like Psalm 77. The psalmist there, probably Asaph, was going through a rough time. And he got to a place he couldn't sleep. He was so troubled by what he was facing. But then he says, I will recall. I will remember the years of the right hand of the Lord. Right hand represents his saving and delivering power. It was taught that God blesses, he guides, and he delivers. So he started remembering all the things God has done. And you have to have times where you take time to remember what God has done for you. That you remember every good thing he has done for you. We'll get into this next week when we talk about 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7, when it talks about stir up the gift of God in you. One of the ways you can translate that word stir up is to remember. Remember every good thing God has done. Because if you keep remembering, you keep thinking about it, keep meditating on it, it's going to stir up on the inside of you. Because if you keep thinking about it enough, you'll get to a point you open your mouth and you'll say, I thank you. I give you glory. I give you praise. No matter what's going on or what you feel like, if you step out and praise God anyways. And what happens is when you first start to do that, you will feel stupid. It's like this is dumb. You don't even need the devil to tell you that. He'll try, but your flesh is like, you are stupid right now. Go ahead and cry. Go get a tub of ice cream. Go get some fattening that you really like. Make yourself feel better. You know, go put on your sad playlist. You know, some people have sad playlists, some have angry playlists. Feed your flesh and just mope. 
But what happens is, remember, every sacrifice is offered out of faith. When you take that step and begin to praise God anyways, and you keep doing it, you'll run into the anointing. Because faith receives the grace of God. You'll run into that help that you need. But you must take that step to praise God anyways. That it shouldn't have to be Minister Dathan stirring you up up here. He shouldn't have to be a Holy Ghost gym leader. Lift your hands, put your hands down. Lift your hands, put your hands down. Sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up. Jump, turn around, sit down. No. It's not Holy Ghost calisthenics. You should have enough thankfulness. You hit this sanctuary, your hands are up. And not just when you come here, you get up in the morning. I am alive. Instead of going, oh, this hurts, that hurts, oh, I got to do this today. Nope. Thank you. Because you've been faithful again. You always have a reason to praise. So you always have a reason to offer the sacrifice of praise. You must maintain an attitude of gratitude. Because we know he inhabits the praises of his that's a response to the sacrifice of praise. Remember, it tells us Ephesians 5, 18, 19, be not drunk with wine, wherein as excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Look at verse 16 here. Still talking about sacrifices. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So sacrifice six and seven, do good and communicate. Do good and communicate. You need to be looking for opportunities to do good. You need to look for opportunities to be a blessing. We should be known for doing good. We should be known for our good works. Because Jesus said, through our good works, they'll bring praise and glory to our Father that's in heaven. The word communicate means to fellowship or to partnership. It also translates to help someone that needs help or partner up with someone else. These last two things are telling us to get our minds off of ourselves and be concerned about somebody else. It's telling us our vision, our mission statement to make Jesus famous in Atlanta beyond by being a blessing to neighborhoods and nations. The only ways you can bless neighborhoods and help neighborhoods is if you stop looking at your problem all the time. Because you can feel embarrassed about stepping out and doing something for God. And the only reason you'll feel embarrassed is because you're thinking of yourself. You think, what are they going to think about me? What about me? What am I going to feel like? What is this going to do? And you start feeling shame or embarrassment. You're thinking about you. What about them? They need the Jesus you have. And God calls it a sacrifice to do good, to communicate. One of the ways you can partner is by serving. You're helping us to do good and be a blessing. How does God define good? Remember Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Yes, we know healing is doing good, 
but all the other things Jesus did in the Gospels, he did it by the anointing or the power of God. So you see how he fed the multitudes. That is doing good. So the things we're doing to feed our neighborhood to help, it's doing good. One of the things we have coming up, we're going to do over the Cobb County spring break, we're having a spring break academic camp here. Because one of the things we've been dealing with, we have kids and you who's telling them to read the Bible, but they can't read. So they get frustrated and they put the Bible down. So instead of saying, well, that's too bad, we need to pray that these schools get better. We do pray, we are praying, we walk in schools and praying. But we're going to set up a camp and help them out. And you know what's happening? The principals in schools telling kids, y'all need to come to this camp. What are we doing? We're doing good. And this other doors God has opened, they don't even make sense. They're like, did they really just tell us that if we do this and that, we can go preach to all those people? God's opening doors because we said in our heart that we're going to do good. That we're going to bless neighborhoods and nations. Our mission to make Jesus famous, not build a name for ourselves. It's a sacrifice that he's pleased with. When believers don't just get the word so they can use their faith for them, that's one level. But to get the word to learn to use your faith to help somebody else is higher. We can't just be stuck on when we get saved, God, what can you do for me? You can start there, but we have to grow up to, God, what can you do through me? The world needs to see God in us. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands. We are his feet. And we must do what he's called us to do. As we close, remember when you build a fire, you have to have something that can burn. We'll look at the fuel next week. You have to put the sacrifices on there. Hebrews 12, 29. Let's go back a page. For our God is a consuming fire. Are you putting something on the altar that he can consume? Are you putting something on the altar that he can respond to? He wants to respond. It's in his heart to respond. He's not a God who wants to hide and say, well, if you seek far enough, if you do all these things, then you can find me and I'll give you some grand prize. No, it's his heart always wanted to manifest himself. The name Jehovah, Yahweh, or yud heh it's translated as the self-existent one. When you add the name Jehovah Elohim, it means the self-existent one who manifests himself. We'll talk about this more on Sunday when Moses saw God in the burning bush. He revealed himself as the self-existent one who manifests himself. He wants to manifest himself in your life, in your family, in your community, in this neighborhood, in this nation. But we can't put it all up to the sovereignty of God. Well, when God wants to do it, he'll do something. And it's like, oh, we're waiting on God when God's waiting on us. Waiting for us to put something on the altar that he can respond to. Waiting something for, for us to put something on the altar that he can consume. Elijah prayed that simple prayer, I think it was 17 words or less, and fire fell from heaven. You think God just wanted to respond that day? No, he wanted someone to step out in faith that whole time. We must be the people. As we say, we're believing this year to see more people saved in this ministry than we've seen in our history. And we will see it. We had this beautiful altar call on Sunday.
And all we did was talk about the integrity of the word of God. And they came. It doesn't matter what religion they're in, they're coming. That's why one of the things we're doing this summer, teaching that Fish Serve Men course. We're going to cover all the major religions in the world, some cults too, and teach you the difference between that and what the word of God says and how you can win people. Remember, as we said on Sunday, we're not giving you this information so you can get in a fight or start a debate. We're giving you this information so you can have a defense of your faith. So you can always have an answer anytime someone asks you, 1 Peter 3.15. You give it with gentleness and respect, as the Bible says. And you allow the Holy Ghost to be the Holy Ghost and work on people's hearts. Some sow, some water, some harvest. We're going to do some sowing. We're going to do some watering. We're going to do a lot of harvesting. Stand to your feet. Just bow your heads and take a moment to analyze your life. And ask God, where are you in this whole process? Ask him if you are putting anything on the altar. Are there any sacrifices that are missing? Or are there some areas he'll send a course correction to? He started a fire. You must maintain it. And you daily must put something on that altar. I remember something that Oral Roberts did. You can look at me for a moment. After his wife went home to be with the Lord. I read the statement. He said, she went home suddenly. And he said, at her home going, today I'm sowing my most precious seed. And I began to think about it this way, and I've done that with certain situations in my life when I just don't understand well, God, why did this happen? Why did this situation go this way? Why couldn't it have gone somewhere else? And my understanding is limited because I'm human. But I'm going to put that on the altar. I'm going to sow this situation as a seed. And Father, I might not know why it happened this way. I'm open to instruction and correction. But what I can understand, I'm not going to carry this thing. I'm not going to let it weigh me down. I'm not going to let it depress me. I'm putting it on the altar, and I'm leaving it there. You can restore me. You can heal me. I'm sowing this as a seed. There's some things in your life that you've been carrying too long that you need to let go and put on the altar and not pick it up again and give it to God. Cast every care upon him because he cares for you. Every worry, every anxiety, and leave it there. Let him deal with it. Let him consume it. Let him heal you. Let him restore you. Too many of us are carrying things we're never meant to carry. 
and we're not going to the places that we're supposed to go. We have to leave some things behind. Some of you need to leave some relationships behind. Remember Hebrews says, the sin that so easily besets and the weights. Weights aren't sin. They're just things that slow you down. So if as we took that moment to pause or any time of prayer, the Lord lets you know to stop doing certain things, it's not a sin, it's just not your purpose. And it slows you down. So let those things go and move forward. Amen. Every head bow, every eye closed in prayer. No one moving or walking unless you've been signed. Please keep your feet in the house of God. We always want to close an experience of giving people an opportunity for Jesus. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.